It's Shalacia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. I'm gonna be sitting down with our unique guests, entrepreneurs, and passionate people to help tell their stories about problems they're solving and their unique solutions. Hi everyone, today we have Albert in the booth at Thinker, which is his booth that he's loaned us so gracefully um, to do this podcast. And it is incredible to have such a unique space to come into and community partners that help support the incredible work that we are trying to do here in Hamilton with telling entrepreneurial stories. So let's dive right into it with Albert and learn a little bit about him and the companies he's built. Um, and specifically, we're going to focus on Thinker today, what Thinker is now, and where it's potentially going in the future. So, Elder, let's start with a little bit about you and sort of what's your background and what led you to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Okay. Well, I was born in the Netherlands. I'm a, a cloggy, wooden head, wouldn't listen. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, grew up there until um, I was about. Uh, 21. Uh, went to university in the Netherlands first, uh, did naval architecture, marine engineering, so something very different very to cool. marketing. Um, I come from a shipping family. My grandfather was a captain. He sailed around the world, and uh, and my father ran a big shipyard in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam, in a big port. Wow. So I kind of naturally migrated into that field, um, studied for that, and then went to England, to London, to do shipping economics at the uh, London School of Economics. And kind of got exposed to a whole different cosmopolitan world. Um, my, my classmates were from all over the world, Greece, uh, Middle East, uh, everywhere, really, people that were in, interested or working in the, in, in the shipping industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, from there, I, uh, I went back to the Netherlands and started to work for a ship owner there uh, in Rotterdam. Uh, but soon after that, I was asked to buy a Dutch company to go back to London and uh, represent them there. And that led me to live in London for about 15 years and had a career in the shipping industry, primarily in the shipbuilding and ship repair industry. So I was um, building smaller vessels in the Netherlands and uh, representing a shipyard uh, in the, uh, that was repairing big ships. And, um, uh, and, and from there, I got into the offshore oil and gas industry. We were repairing big oil rigs that were operating in the North Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked for them for about uh, nine, ten years, a big corporation. So I had my corporate job. Um, and, uh, and from there, I, uh, I was uh, kind of asked if I wanted to, to work in the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I, I started to work as a, as a sales and marketing um, manager for a big drilling company. They had uh, big oil rigs drilling off uh, the North Sea. Mm-hmm. Made a career with them, uh, started as manager and ended up as, uh, as vice president in charge of the Eastern Hemisphere. Uh, this is a Fortune 500 company, so a stock wow. exchange quoted company, big company based Huge. in Houston, Texas. Very different world. Uh, again, a, a large corporation, so a corporate job, um, which I much enjoyed. Um, but and from there on, I I got involved with uh, with uh, another shipyard in the, in in Mexico that we bought for a Norwegian ship owner, um, and I was running the project with uh, some of my partners. And we negotiated uh, the purchase of this yard from the Mexican government, um, which was uh, the largest shipyard in Mexico based in Veracruz. Um, and uh, and and from there on, I started to get into my entrepreneurial career because at that shipyard, I found that you know, there was a, a, a need for uh, expertise, technology, mm-hmm. um, credibility. They had low labor costs, uh, workers, good people, welders, etc. But they didn't have that recognition in the marketplace as far mm-hmm. as shipbuilding quality is concerned. So, yeah. so we put that together by um, uh, doing a, a transaction with a German shipyard, uh, buying their design, um, tagging on to their procurement power so that we had all this credibility from the German yard whilst building in, in Mexico. Um, and that gave an idea to start a company that would be actually doing that. Uh, so I started a company called ShipKits. Ship and ShipKits uh, is a company that uh, essentially uh, sells kits to low labor cost countries, shipyards in low labor cost uh, countries, um, using European designs uh, and materials. 
And we built ships in Singapore, we built ships in, in Malaysia um, and, uh, and in Taiwan. Uh, so it was kind of a different approach to, uh, to uh, you know, to shipbuilding. Um, yeah. And that, it was very satisfying. It, it, it solved a, a problem that, uh, that most of these yards had in terms of being able to sell you know, higher end quality at a higher price level. Mm-hmm. Um, products that uh, they weren't recognized for. So with that that credibility that we brought as ship kits, they were now able to charge higher higher prices and yeah. you know etc. So it was a very interesting uh, interesting project. Um, uh, so from from there, I uh, uh, I, I got involved with um, 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 the shipbuilding industry. I got involved with. Uh, well, actually, I, I I moved to Canada. Okay, <laughs> after that. In two thousand and one. Yeah. Uh, so um, the the oil company, the oil and gas company that I was working for, uh, they merged and mm-hmm. um, um, they um, um, they merged with a, a, a much larger company. And so it was a good opportunity for me to take a package mm-hmm. and uh, and go to Canada. Uh, so I came here in 2001. Uh, by now I was married with a lady from Hamilton. And uh, we had two kids, um, three kids, sorry. Uh, one, Two were born in England and one mm-hmm. was born in Scotland. And I came here with a good package but no job. Uh, mm-hmm. So I decided to go back to school. And uh, I went to Queen's uh, and did an MBA at, uh, in Kingston. Mm-hmm. And it, through, through that uh, MBA, I got to know, you know new people, new network. Um, and I ended up back in the shipping industry. Uh, I started to work for the St. Lawrence Seaway. Uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway uh, Management Corporation is uh, an agency of the Government of Canada, and mm-hmm. they manage the locks uh, in the Great Lakes. Um, and they were looking at uh, at setting up a marketing department mm-hmm. uh, because they'd seen their markets um, decline over the years. Uh, and their markets really were coal, iron ore. Um, and and grain, mm-hmm. um, and those markets were shifting, uh, etc. So they needed new cargo to come through the Great Lakes, and and with my background of having been involved in short sea shipping, as we call it in in the Netherlands, um, um, it made sense to utilize these Great Lakes for you know a greater purpose uh, to transport all s- sorts of cargoes. Um, you know, there's 450 million people that live around the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 3,000 kilometer waterway into the heartland of North America. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, you know, it's underutilized. Obviously, there's reasons for that with uh, seasonality and ice and snow and everything else. Absolutely. But still, uh, it was an interesting challenge. So I, uh, I embarked on setting up their marketing department. Um, and we grew it to, we had about, when I left, there were about 12 people. And we uh, we managed to get uh, new cargoes into the Great Lakes. I set up a a brand, a new brand for the Great Lakes because everybody was kind of marketing their services individually. Uh, mm-hmm. So the Port of Toronto was marketing the Port of Toronto. The Port of Hamilton was marketing the Port of Hamilton, et, et cetera, et cetera, but not the Great Lakes as a whole. And the strength is the Great Lakes as a whole, uh, not its individual parts. So we had to get a brand that would market the Great Lakes as a whole. Um, so we formed a brand called Highway H2O, the waterway. Love um, it. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, ran a large campaign. Um, I went around all the various stakeholders in the Great Lakes to uh, solicit their support mm-hmm. uh, and some money to put in the marketing pot, uh, which they, uh, they did. And... Uh, there, um, and uh, so we we got uh, we got money into the marketing pot, and uh, so we did a billboard campaign, we did TV commercials, radio commercials, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this highway H2O campaign started to get some traction, and uh, and and now you know over the years they've they've managed to bring in quite a lot of new cargos. From vegetable oils to um, you know, containers, there's now even containers being shipped on the Great Lakes uh, from the Port of Cleveland uh, to Montreal and Halifax and on to Europe. Uh, so that was a very interesting, um, interesting um, job for me. Yeah. Uh, but I still have my entrepreneurial spirit in me that that uh, I wanted to f- f- uh, further fulfill. And during my MBA, I'd written a, a business plan, and uh, and that business plan was to set up a shipping company in the Great Lakes. 
Uh, so uh, some people had, uh, had had heard about that and they approached me. They were financiers whilst I was at the St. Lawrence Seaway and said, are you interested in executing this plan? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So I quit my job, which was a big step because it was, yeah, it was a great job. Um, you know, you're working essentially for the government, mm -hmm. but it wasn't for me. Um, so I quit my job and uh, took the big jump into the unknown. And we started a company called Canada Feed Alliance. And Canada Feed Alliance um, it's, it's essentially was set up to uh, move cargo uh, between international destinations and Canada, but also within the Great Lakes. We went out to solicit for money to you know, present our business plans to uh, to the banks, in particularly in in Europe, and uh, that went really well. And we ended up uh, with financing for um, for for four vessels. We were originally looking for two, but we went to two banks, and they both said yes. So now we had financing for four vessels. Wow. So we started to build four vessels, and that ended up a total of 16 vessels. Um, and my partners in the Netherlands, they, 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 you know, they were very excited about all this and said, you know, I, we don't want to set up an office in Canada. We want to set up an office in the Netherlands. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to go back to the Netherlands. I'm happy here in Canada. And uh, so anyway, we had an amicable split whereby they bought me out of, of that company, Canada Feedlines. It still mm -hmm. exists in the Netherlands. It's, wow. it's now called CFL. It's, it's not called Canada anymore. It's mm -hmm. called CFL. Uh, no relation to the Canadian Football League, but CFL. <laughs> um, and they, they operate the, that, those 16 ships that, uh, that we built. Wow. And I ended up starting a new company called Great Lakes Feed Alliance um, and bought uh, two vessels. Um, and this is in 2008. And okay. so... This is when you know the financial markets all collapsed, and it was very difficult. I should have just stopped and retired or something by then, but eh, but you have to I keep didn't. going. It's I did you, right? <laughs> so I kept going and bought uh, bought two uh, two vessels, um, and we operated them successfully throughout this difficult time because it was um, you know it was it was it was tough. Uh, mm -hmm. The financial markets uh, were were really suffering. Most people remember this financial crisis that we were all in. Um, but uh, we, we got a, a contract for one of them with the French government uh, to operate um, uh, a daily or weekly service between Halifax and Saint-Pierre-Miquelon, which are the islands just off Newfoundland. Unbeknown to me at that time, they were French territory, or they are French mm -hmm. territory. And uh, so we were feeding the French people in, uh, in Saint-Pierre-Miquelon with their daily, uh, daily needs. Uh, so we had a, a little vessel that went back and forth uh, between Halifax, and we carried all of their, you know, French cheeses and their Renaults and their, you know, their all their things that they needed on the island. And yeah. uh, we did that for a good four years, three and a half mm -hmm. years, until I, I kind of saw some dark clouds in the sky that uh, the the world had been. Um, you know, subjected to a, the, a, the creation of a bubble in the shipping industry okay. in overcapacity. So the markets were really strained. Mm -hmm. China had been instigating that by importing so much. Freight rates were going up, up, up. And uh, and by then, um, you know, this bubble was ready to burst. So I, I, I had to get out. And when was this? This is in 2012. Okay. So I sold my my company mm -hmm. and got out, uh, I think, just in time. Just in I was time. happy with that. Yeah. And, uh, and then I kind of wandered around, what do I do now, you know? Uh, by that time, I was 50, 52. Okay. Uh, Still very young. You've got a lot <laughs> of life no, I left. Was, yeah, I wasn't ready to retire. I <laughs> yeah. had to continue to work, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, um, I, I, I got into doing um, uh, a, a digital magazine. Photography and videography is my hobby. Um, mm -hmm. I know the maritime industry, so I started the maritime digital magazine and uh, uh, did you know interviews and and the kind of reported on what was happening in the Great Lakes as far as the maritime industry is concerned, and and it grew very fairly quickly from you know from nothing to one of the larger um, digital um, maritime magazines in in Canada. Yeah. So it was really it was more like a hobby though. It, it didn't make any money with it, but it was just fun to do. You enjoyed um, it. I yeah. enjoyed it, and and from there I I um, I got to know some folks in the in the marketing 
publishing industries and and amongst them was uh, a, a gentleman called Jim Albanese and Jim Albanese had a marketing agency called Albanese Branding and uh, Albanese mm-hmm. Branding uh, was established in the kind of mid 90s uh, 1999 I think it's 99 that he established it so he'd been around for quite some, some time, time. Yeah. And uh, and Jim had done very well with Albany's branding. He was the main um, uh, marketeer for Pioneer Energy, uh, so Pioneer Petroleum. He helped build that brand over the years uh, that they grew to this very large um, you know, uh, retail petroleum company, gas okay. gasoline company, and and others. Um, so and he, Jim was was ready to retire, and he was looking to to sell his agency. So. I ended up doing a deal with Jim and uh, bought uh, Albany's branding in 2012. Uh, sorry, 2015, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and took it over. Uh, Jim stayed on with us for a couple of years to see it through, yeah. and uh, and after uh, after that um, he retired and uh, and we renamed the agency to Think of Marketing. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So uh, and we've we've grown it since then. Um, yeah. We've uh, we've more than doubled the size of Thinker Marketing uh, over the years, uh, both in revenue as well as in in people, and we've kind of focused on uh, more of a I wouldn't say niche market, but but we're we're good at marketing more difficult um, uh, marketing challenges, yeah. uh, and particularly on the B two B side, so Got the it. business to business, you know, companies that are selling or or servicing. Um, industrial um, equipment or, mm-hmm. or uh, they make uh, trucks or, or equipment for trucks or yeah. this you know we have a company that sells uh, stainless steel um, but also also pol- polishes it and cuts it and flattens it and uh, so it's a little bit more of a marketing challenge uh, mm-hmm. to you know to find the right you, buyers well yeah and make it make it attractive, attractive. you know I yeah. mean, a, a meal or a nice dinner plate is is relatively easy to, <laughs> yeah. to take a nice picture of yes. and uh, and and tell a nice mm. story about but yeah. uh, you know a steel plate makes it a little bit more challenging but we're good at that and yeah. uh, and so we, you know, we build up uh, quite a strong market presence in the B two B market. Yeah. Um, but we also have, you know, really great uh, retail clients. Uh, H Williams mm-hmm. being one of them. Uh, we've been with them for fifteen years now, fifteen, yeah. sixteen years. I'm you just know, gonna jump in yeah. here because yeah. I want to summarize sort of where you've been mm-hmm. and. Uh, where you are now right. because we're, we're sort of getting into that space yeah, and yeah. it's it's really cool to see the transition of your whole life and sort of that um, you know you were sort of back and forth within that technical aspect and then this creative aspect um, and building companies and whether you were building it within a marketing team or growing a marketing team, you were sort of taking that expertise you knew, you knew the product inside out, and that gave you an upper hand to really break that down. Because I believe like if you don't really understand something, you can't say it in a simple way for people to understand. And so it's I think that sort of, I can see that pattern throughout your career. You learn something really well, then you solve a problem within it, you market it, you grow it, you know, you took the shipping kits idea by identifying a problem in countries that had great labor and had great quality to put out there, but they didn't have that technology to elevate it. And so, you know, I think this is sort of an innate part of you that likes to solve problems. And I think a a very common thing in a lot of entrepreneurs. And so to see that cycle rinse and repeat as you move from (laughs) the Netherlands to Mexico. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. (laughs) And Netherlands to to Mexico and now to Canada. And you're doing the same thing all over again. But the challenges are unique and they're different and they're exciting. And I love what you said that, you know, your job was great with the government of Canada. You did like what you do, but it wasn't for you. And it just maybe didn't excite you in the right way. It didn't give you the challenges you felt were fulfilling to you. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, my, my boss at the time, Dick Korf, he was a fantastic guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave me a lot of freedom to... You know, manage the department, set it up the way I wanted to set it up, and come yeah. up with new ideas. We one of the things that Dick and I and others, of course, worked on were the 
um, the mooring systems that they now have in the locks of uh, of, of the Great Lakes, which are automatic automated mooring systems. So you know, it takes time to put a, a big steel cable around the boulder and tie, mm-hmm. tie up a vessel. And these things are big suction pads that uh, attach itself to the vessel and hold the vessel in place while the ship goes up and down in the lock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, new technology and, and, and Dick was really a, um, a, you know, a great guy to push that. And, and I helped him with, you know, with marketing that and getting people, you know, enthusiastic for that. So there was there was some entrepreneurial aspects to it. But yeah. you know, I was still a fairly bureaucratic organization. There were yeah. lots of meetings and uh, yeah, it didn't There's fulfill so me. Much room. It didn't fulfill me yeah. uh, in terms of, of that aspect. And, mm-hmm. And then with uh, with Thinker, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, a jump in the dark. But um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, and you 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 got this right. Um, whatever you do as an entrepreneur, you have to find a formula where you know you're offering something that somebody else wants. Um, yeah. So you have to be able to create that value. Uh, and if you're able to to find a formula that creates that value, where it's recognized that you create value. Uh, then you know you, you you get business because that's what people want, right? They, yeah. um, and with with Albanese branding, they you know Jim had done a very good job, um, but there was a, a bit of a gap there that that I noticed um, um, in terms of you know being able to step it up uh, a level. Um, mm-hmm. And you know the digital age uh, had had come. had had yes. come, and they weren't very strong in that yet. So there was an opportunity to to really develop that digital side of things and mm-hmm. and bring in expertise with respect to you know SEO, SEM, uh, and 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 you know that whole digital management side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't very well organized at that time, so we brought in new uh, software to to track you know, how 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 efficient we were mm-hmm. uh, to report back to our clients to be able to have you know uh, key performance indicators so that we can report back of how efficient our marketing efforts are for them, yeah. etc. So um, you know there were lots of kind of uh, exciting uh, opportunities there to make things better and to create better value for our clients and better and therefore better business performance for our clients. Yeah. Do you think you sort of took this company and, you know, first you transformed it into the digital age and you brought it sort of up to speed? Not saying they weren't doing a great job, but it's just, you know, we're in a different age now. So we we have to be more relevant here. And did you think you then took it and sort of focused it a little bit more than what it was previously doing? Yes. Yeah. 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 We we focused it more on the B two B side. Yeah. Um, not you know not ignoring our retail side. We still mm-hmm. you know have great retail clients and we still you know offer service to the retail industry. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of ventured more into the B two B side and grew stronger on that side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we have some not for profit clients. We have you know we have some great people that that we work with. But B two B is our our kind of larger pool of clients that we have. Uh, so, yeah, we organized the business internally, uh, got better equipment, better people, um, or, you know, not, we added more better people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so forth. And, uh, um, and and now of late, we, we have added another dimension to uh, to our agency, which is uh, is where we're sitting in now. And we're, we've added this uh, podcast studio. We've got um, probably one of the largest photo studios, photo and video studios in Hamilton. Wow. Uh, certainly the largest uh, of an agency. Most agencies don't mm-hmm. have in-house uh, photo studios unless they're really small. But we have, you know, 1,500 square foot of, uh, of photo studio and video studio here with uh, pentagraph uh, hanging off the ceilings, with lighting, with, uh, you know, all good equipment. Uh, that we can help um, create this visual aspect of marketing for our clients, and and that's where you know we see the trends go. Um, nowadays, you know, in, in terms of marketing, we're becoming more and more visually oriented. Um, we 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 don't really like to read that much anymore. We no. like to you know we like to watch. And uh, but a picture tells yeah, a thousand words, yeah, right? So totally does. If you and can convey it even better, yeah, then yeah. you get the message across so much and, faster. And the system support it because mm-hmm. you know a few years ago uh, to download a video would take a long time and uh, yeah. you wouldn't be able to see it on your mobile device now mm. you know your mobile devices are super fast and uh, the screens are super bright and, and colorful and so 
so you know it, it supports it, and uh, and therefore you know we we're we're getting used to it, and we like to to see that visual aspect, and it's very impactful. Uh, so we you know we created uh, the 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 tools here to be able to to provide that service to our clients, and that's kind of what differentiates us uh, to most of our competition. Yeah. Uh, we are um, uh, truly a full-service marketing agency, mm-hmm. uh, whereas there's a lot of marketing agencies around uh, that um, that proclaim that they are full-service, and uh, no disrespect to them, yeah. um, but they don't they don't have these services in-house. They have a partnership, perhaps, or they have you know freelancers that they work with or contract people that they work with, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you know these people change and they move on, and then they'll replace them with other contract people or. Yeah. Other freelancers. That's not how we work. Um, and that's a that's a sometimes a quality control thing, right? And yes. you having everything in house does give you that added benefit of even if you may have a turnover in staff, you still have that really solid foundation. Nothing really changes. The transition is much smoother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 maintain that uh, that quality that control over mm-hmm. our output. Plus, you know, it's more cost effective for a client because yeah. if you go out and hire a photographer you know as an agency most agencies will put a margin on on the cost of that that photographer that yeah. they administer that they pay the bill for etc mm-hmm. and charge it through to the client so there's a margin on top of that so it becomes more expensive for the client yeah. we don't do that uh, so you know we have all this expertise in-house and that's part of our service package that we provide um, and I think that's how we differentiate ourselves we are you know their internal external marketing department and yeah. so you know, for um, for a lot of our clients, they they've reached a level where you know they they they, they needed to take a next step, mm-hmm. um, and they may have their own marketing folks within their organization, but one person or one or two persons cannot have all the experience that we have in this house with uh, 17 people. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, this this fractional use of this 17 people uh, is a very cost-effective way. Plus, we you know we we develop their marketing plan. We do their research. You know, we 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 come up with a roadmap for them yeah. to to execute um, you know their marketing strategy, and and that's how we differentiate ourselves with uh, with uh, not all but some of some, some of our of some of our competitors. Yeah, yeah. and you. Um, so the way I see it, because I I sort of came from the marketing world um, in some respects as well, and. Uh, we love companies like like Thinker because you almost become an extension of our internal teams and you start to build these relationships that are so close that you know you perhaps take part in some of their internal meetings they sit down and brief with you and you really it, it becomes a collaborative space where you're both on the same page and you can both you know see the vision that needs to come to life but you then bring in your expertise and really have you you lo- you loan that to them um, through those sort of transactions which I I think is is very very beneficial especially to companies that are like you said looking to take the next step boost their growth you know get out there a little bit more as they sort of refine their businesses and and look to grow it yeah yeah that's and that's a, a very kind of uh, fun part because mm-hmm. we ha- we get to deal with uh, a lot of different industries yeah and uh, we really try to Get under their skin. Really figure out, you know, um, what do they do? Who are their audiences? Who are their target markets? Truly try and understand their business as best as we can, and be part of their organization. So we we have a seat at the table yeah. uh, most of the time, and and we you know we work as, and we're passionate about that. We we feel as part of that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we strive to do the best we can for that organization in terms of, you know, their business performance and and uh, and being 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 involved with setting that strategy and, and helping them with uh, finding that direction on, you know, how to how to how to grow their business um, is, is really exciting. And and you know, these folks here that we have, they're 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 wonderful. I mean they're real experts in their field mm-hmm. and uh, 
um, and they're super passionate about uh, about helping our clients the best uh, the best they can and um, so we you know, we're blessed with a really really good team um, yeah. and uh, and and having great tools to be able to you know utilize um, in 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 practicing our our jobs and uh, yeah so we're you know we're fortunate that we uh, we have this position now that uh, we're strong you know we're one of the largest uh, marketing agencies here in Hamilton mm-hmm. and uh, and we you know we've got this fantastic uh, roster of clients and yeah. uh, and we keep growing that and that's just uh, really satisfying well, your work speaks for itself, and um, I will say my experience with your team has been phenomenal so far, um, and I am looking forward to continue working with you guys as we record this podcast and utilize some of the things that you're doing with Thinker, like taking us into the future and getting into unique spaces like podcasting that's really, you know, taken hold of the world, and um, I think that's phenomenal, and you continually you know, demonstrate that you have sort of that foresight. How do you think you develop that foresight? Is that something you've seen and learn or you've always sort of been a forward thinker? Um, it's not just me, that's for sure. You know, okay. I've got this great team of, uh, of, of folks that are passionate in their area of expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, on the digital side, for example, Andrew, who's our COO and, and also our head of digital, I mean, he's he's truly um, a genius uh, in 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 what he does, and 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 uh, he and, and he follows what's happening, what the trends are, and all of my folks do that. They they all follow, and they've got their finger on the pulse, mm-hmm. and and with that finger on the pulse, you know, often um, and, and backed up by by what we see in the digital uh, analytic part of it you know mm-hmm. we, we we can analyze the numbers and and we see things happening um, and and often we are able to tell our clients you should be doing this because here's what we see happening in the marketplace and, yeah. and they'll go yeah we need to get into that and and they do and successfully do and we've had it a few times where you know the the, the, the digital information that we're able to analyze helps uh, steer the strategy for for our clients yeah. same goes for us as a marketing organization you know, trend, trends or pivoting and transforming ourselves into you know a, a stronghold in the digital world as part of that. The next step that we saw is the visual world. So that's you know the studio, the audio world. That's the podcast, um, because these aspects, these mediums that we now have, and these channels that are developing, amplified obviously with the pandemic. Yes, uh, we've had a, a massive leap forward in 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 the reliance on these kind of channels mm-hmm. has helped us being able to establish those much quicker than we would normally be able to. Um, but we see that continue to growth. I think the next the next area that where we see uh, potential and growth is um, um, is data uh, the data warehousing, just the data and analyzing the data um, mm-hmm. and the data being you know whatever it is for a client that 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 will will help them um, determine their next steps in the marketplace. Yeah. Because information is is, is key. key, you know, you have to have good information, and we're blessed with you know with with digital world that you have real information. When you were doing traditional marketing, you know, a billboard, sure, you know, there's eyeballs on the billboard, but it's still a stab in the dark. You yes. know, how many cars? How many people actually look from there? And know, how many transactions actually came from that correct. particular billboard? You can't measure it, right? Yes. It's it's an approach. Mm-hmm. Whereas with digital, we we can see everything. You know, we can measure everything. We, 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 you know, we have incredible quality information, yeah. and uh, and and being able to to use that information more efficiently, I think, is the next frontier within the marketing field. And it's already happening, of course. But but yeah. uh, for us to be able to, you know, become less dependent on the mammoth like Google, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, which, which you know, they are taking over control more and more of what we can and what we can't do. Yes. So we have to, we have to, uh, you know, carefully, without you know, uh, giving up on on the means that we have within those those yeah. mammoth uh, channels, but carefully develop alternatives as well, uh, whereby we you know we can we can still or continue to increase the quality of uh, of our marketing services independent from 
you know, from just looking at Google or mm-hmm. Google Analytics because Google manipulates the data all the time. And uh, and they try and box us in, and, and we don't like to be boxed in. We like to give, you know, the full scope of services to our client and yeah. not just what is good for Google. Um, so, you know, there's this constant challenge happening there. And, and you know, I, I, I think down the road, uh, we already see that happening to some, some extent. I think uh, the the giants like Google, Facebook will will get more regulated. Yes. Um, there'll be more regulation that will mm-hmm. fall into place. It's difficult because they're active worldwide, and which authority uh, do you use to regulate, regulate these folks? Such a big right because they're yeah. worldwide. Uh, so, but the U.S. is taking the lead in that, and and you know you've seen all the hearings that have already taken place. This is a matter of time. The more they step outside of the boundaries of of you know, self-serving because uh, that's a lot of that is self-serving mm-hmm. um, uh, the more they get exposed and the more they'll the, the pressure will increase to get them regulated and I think that's going to happen at some point in time yeah. so so we have to be ready for that yeah and with those regulations sort of coming down on these big giants how do you think that impacts smaller folks like you know, like Thinker potentially going into this space and maybe creating your own tools that that will give you sort of that better insight that's that's not as, you know, regulated and self-serving, mm-hmm. um, like you said, for, for the big giants. How do you think that will, will trickle down? Well, I think um, what, what my, our guys do is is really be one step ahead of what Google put, puts on next. Uh, so whenever they tweak their algorithms, um, we need to be ready for that, mm-hmm. and we are for our clients, and we we often see it coming, uh, particularly the big the big changes that they make. Andrew is really he's got his finger on the pulse, and he's really tapped into what's happening uh, within within that part of uh, of of, uh, of the digital industry. So be prepared, be ready. Um, you know, we, we, we rely heavily, all of us, marketeers, rely heavily on those large channels. I mean, you can't do without them, and we're, not, and we're not going to. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that sometimes you can't uh, try out, um, you know, different search engines, mm-hmm. and we have. Uh, and, and surprisingly enough, they do give good results. It doesn't necessarily all have to be a Google search. Wow. It, it, you know, there are different different channels out there that we've we've tested and we continue to test and they give good results uh, so you know um, uh, being able to to have that you know foresight of of, uh, of finding alternatives I think we all need to be be aware of that and mm-hmm. uh, and not just only rely on what's right in, in front of us um, yeah. just just be explorative and and uh, you know f- try and find ways um, that that make your overall service better. Um, mm. So that's that's what we do. And uh, and 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 outside of you know the normal channels, uh, there are other tactics like this. But podcast, you yeah. know, I mean, this is a new way of of bringing marketing messages to you know to the attention of folks, and it's completely unreliant to Google or to any of the other big channels you can you know you can you can send this direct to a client or yeah. you can you know uh, channel them to a different uh, a different portal that carries these kind of messages yeah so there's something you um, you just touched on with with sort of really relying on Andrew and your team really having the pulse on what they're like their specialties are and their expertise are in. As an entrepreneur, as you build your team, how do you, first, first question is, how do you find great people? What is a great person or great talent to bring into your organization from your perspective? Um, I think, well, several things. Um, You have to have the right culture and the right um, uh, atmosphere for people that want to work here. So. Um, you know, you have to create that culture or nurture it. You can't really create it. You have to nurture it mm-hmm. um, and then expose it so that people can find out who you are, what you are, what you guys do, what, you know, what is your fiber, what is, what is your personality as an organization. Um, you need a bit of luck and, and uh, because, you know, when you go on a job search or you're looking for, for good people, it's 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 very limited of how you can really assess um, you know the abilities of those folks you know when you go through 
you know, a job search and, uh, um, you know, an Indeed or whatever it is that you, you, you utilize to get resumes, you know, how much time do you truly spend with these folks to before you offer them a job? Not a lot. Um, so, you know, you rely on your instinct and your gut feel and, and obviously backed up by the proof on paper and, and references and whatever else, but that that's that doesn't go very deep, you know. Yeah. Um, so a bit of luck that uh, you, you, you attract the right people because of your culture and because of who mm-hmm. you are as an organization that they feel that they, they make a good fit. Yeah. With Andrew, um, um, it, he, he ran his own agency and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was having a hard time finding good people in the digital industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hard to find. Uh, so I approached Andrew and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in a joint venture, um, a partnership of some form? You roll your business into into a new company that we set up, Thinker yeah. Digital, and, uh, and and you have this, the, the credibility of our name and our vehicle um, and, and the association of all the other things that we do that supports, you know, those new clients. So that's what we did. And uh, and we formed Thinker Digital, uh, that was jointly owned by by Andrew and myself, and uh, and that was part of the Thinker Marketing Group. And so you had Thinker Marketing, Thinker Digital, Thinker Marketing Group. Love it. And then um, you know that went well, uh, but we were kind of internally you know billing each other, you know, between Thinker Digital and Thinker Marketing. That didn't make sense. So we rolled Thinker Digital into Thinker Marketing. Uh, so, you know, we're only one company now called mm-hmm. Thinker Marketing, and that includes the, the digital part. So, so a bit of luck, you know, finding Andrew and, and, and Kasia his, and his team, um, uh, and, and it evolved into this, 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 you know, setup that we have now. Um, and that's not, you know, we have other incredible folks um, that that run our departments, and you know, we have uh, Anthony that runs our creative department. He he's a 26, 27 year old veteran in the creative industry. He's you know he's worked for a lot of different brands and companies in in uh, in or on a lot of different brands and companies in in the Greater Hamilton area. You know, he's a he's an artist. He's a, an incredible creative brain, and uh, and when I see what he sees, uh, so if I look at an ad, I may not see certain things uh, that are not correct. He will pick up things, and you go, oh yeah, I didn't see that. Um, <laughs> but he has that that you know those glasses that that are able to to see all that, and it's 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 really truly a. Um, um, you know, an art uh, to see him at work and you know, how he can hand draw, um, you know, and, uh, something that he has in his head that should represent, you know, a brand or a logo or, or even you know, a social media ad, whatever it is. Uh, he will just draw it out. You, know, you go, yeah, that's, bring it to life. That's amazing. You yeah. Know? And 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 so forth. We have you know our head of uh, of our account management department, Andrea. She. Uh, you know, she is uh, she is an incredible account manager. She, you know, account managers are the most coordinated and organized people in the world. I'm not, uh, but but you know, they are just on it. Uh, they keep they keep us straight in terms of the production side. They they manage the client. They you know they do so much. They bring so much value to uh, to the process of uh, of bringing good marketing value to yeah. our clients. They're holding the revenue in their That's hand, it. right? That's it. Yeah. They yeah. they drop the ball. The revenue yeah. drops yeah. too. So yeah. really yeah. critical role yeah. in the organization. Yeah. So you know, all in all, we have we have some fantastic people and. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we're we're uh, you know, our industry unfortunately suffers from from a fairly high turnover. Uh, there's a lot of young people that come into this industry, and 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 we're you know we're okay with that. You know we we take on interns, we take on junior people that you know develop themselves here, and then want to go to Toronto and try out Toronto for a while. Yeah. Great, go. You know we've we've had several people that. Are you know stars, rock stars? Um. This has been really great. Your stories so interesting. <laughs> um, I I'm so so interested in it because you. I think it it demonstrates you don't have to be in one space 
to build a business in another space. You don't have to just stay there and be there forever. And I think that change in exposing yourself to different things really gives you that unique advantage to come in and build a business because you as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you're responsible for every aspect of the business when it starts because it's mostly just you in the beginning and a small team that you probably trust. And But you still have to have like a really good understanding or have the comfort level and the willingness to jump into a space where you're uncomfortable. And with you talking about you know, how you've done that from the corporate world and then jumping into your own business plan um, after Queen's University and doing your MBA there. I think that's that's really inspirational. And I think, you know, for a long time, even when I was growing up, from a career standpoint, it's like, okay, this is the career you go into. This is what you're going to be for the rest of your life. And I love that the world is changing and it's giving people options to say, hey, you can change your career, you know, if that's not something you love, because we're not necessarily getting the exposure at a younger age to really explore different, you know, channels and different opportunities that exist for us. And so you then go into university and you commit to this thing that you're getting your degree in. And maybe during your degree, you realize this isn't for me. And then you leave and then you're like, all right, well, I have to do a job in the degree that I have. So I think your story is really um, demonstrating that you can you can be great in one space and take that opportunity and take it somewhere else. And you can still leverage what you're learning. I think soft skills are super important and that willingness to learn. And I think that's what you've demonstrated throughout like your journey from the corporate world and into becoming an entrepreneur and here building a really great team at Thinker where you're partnering with people and now you've you're trusting folks to help take the business into the future. And I think that's such a great fundamental like aspect of an entrepreneur to take yourself on this journey where you build those confidence up by having certain experiences. Is there a time where throughout like your entrepreneurial career, you felt like maybe you made a misstep and you really learned from that? No, many times. <laughs> um, What's one that comes to golly. mind? Golly, yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, with everything I started, there's always doubt. There's always, did I do the right thing? And so there's always a healthy level of fear um, and anxiety. Um, but, you know, once you commit, I, I feel you need to commit. And, uh, okay, unless it really is a failure and, and it doesn't work and you're just losing money or you can't, you know, you can't keep your head above water, then you need to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if the fundamentals are right and, and it's a matter of, um, you know, blood, sweat and tears, then you just got to stick with it. And uh, even though, you know, um, uh, certainly when you see all aspects of, of the business, uh, as I do, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are always there's always things that you worry about and um, and, you know, that you, you, you get anxious about um, whether it's, you know, paying the bills or, or, or having enough clients or, or getting finding the right people or suddenly somebody quits and now you've got a big gap that you need to fill or a client that's not happy or whatever it is, you know, I mean, you, you, you have to just deal with it and yeah. um, um, keep a level head. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I try as much as I can to keep my emotions intact mm-hmm. in, in check. Um, not not knee jerk, um, you know, really, really yeah. kind of. Okay, let's take take a look from the other side and see, you know, what what you know what their position is, and and try and, and figure this out and and come up with a solution. Um, whether that's you know conflicts with the employees, or whether it is you know a, an unhappy client, or whether it is you know whatever uh, financial issue. Um, yeah. There's there's always a challenge. Um, 
And and on the other side, on the flip side, that's the fun part of of being an entrepreneur. You know, every day is different. Um, yeah. And uh, as long as you see, you know, um, progression over time, uh, and and you know you're you're fulfilling your goals that you have uh, in 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 not in the short term necessarily, but in the long term, because yeah. uh, there's always obstacles. But if if you see that happen, then you know that gives me the satisfaction of, of building something with you know with a great bunch of folks and clients that. You know that will last and that will have sustainability and and uh, you know that will will, will provide a, a safe and good place for for people to to deal with mm-hmm. um, and that to me is is very satisfying that that makes me happy um, I'm not in it for the money uh, I really am not um, uh, and uh, but you know a business has to survive and yes. uh, so you need to be on the money mm-hmm. um, <laughs> You need to manage that uh, process, but uh, you know the overall satisfaction of seeing, you know, something work uh, and happen and, mm-hmm. and create. Um, that to me, as an entrepreneur, is what I do this for. Uh, just to be able to, you know, see that 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 you know that organism grow wow. and 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 develop itself and. Mm-hmm. And that's really satisfying that uh, um, you know you you play a role in that, and you know you you can give some leadership to that, and and um, yeah, that's that's what I do this for. That's that's really great to hear because um, I love that you talked about the flip side of it because in those really tough moments, um, you're really just about focus on the solution of the problem and. Um, I know sometimes, you know, in my experience and in other organizations, sometimes it's very quick to point the finger. But when the pressure is on you, it's it's not necessarily the root cause in the moment, but it's what is the solution to this immediate challenge. And then you sort of go back and do a root cause analysis to make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And that part of it, I, I do think, I agree with you, is quite fun because I recently stepped out of my full-time job to you know, really pursue my startup and see where it goes. And I find myself in a lot of those moments, um, especially because it's so early on. There's so much to figure out. And so the other question I have for you, you mentioned this, what are those fundamentals of you know, your business that you should have in order for you to continue, you know, going through the blood, sweat and tears, knowing that you're probably coming out um, successful or with really great learnings on the other side? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think you have to have confidence um, as a leader, um, you know, whether you're, you're a sole proprietor or whether you have a team, um, you know, your environment looks at you um, for for that confidence in what you do. Uh, so, you know, with a good dose of humbleness, um, you can't be arrogant. Um, but but I do think you need to, you know, you need to have confidence, believe in what you're trying to do mm-hmm. um, and stick with it. Um, so, you know, that's that's very important to survive as an entrepreneur yeah. um, and, and never give up, mm-hmm. never give up. Uh, you just you know, you've got to always try and uh, and I've been blessed to kind of been in some interesting industries you know the shipping industry the oil and gas industry mm-hmm. now the marketing business um, there was always a marketing aspect to the jobs that I had um, but you know in the shipping industry it's very capital intensive uh, you have to raise a lot of money to buy a ship uh, yeah. and then it costs a lot of money to run a ship mm-hmm. And so, so that was, you know, very, very much financially oriented in terms of managing money and, and being able to, you know, keep, uh, keep, keep, the, keep the boat afloat. Yeah. Um, in the marketing industry, it's people. You have to have the right people. Um, that's our asset, people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you need some tools, but, but that, that's, that's neither here nor there. You need to have the right expertise. Um, and then the right motivation, and then the right collaboration. Um, you know, you can have. You've seen it sometimes in 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 world championships. You know, we perhaps saw it a little bit at the Olympics with uh, some of our 
hockey teams, well, the male hockey team, where you have really excellent individual players. They're top, you know, the top, top of the range. Um, and uh, but but working as a team uh, isn't isn't as efficient. Uh, so um, you know, you need to have good expertise, but also really be able to work collaboratively and and uh, and support each other. Uh, and as a leader. You know, you have to you have to manage that process. You have to you know get, set the right examples, and and as my my father would always say, keep the noses in the same direction. Um, so you know that's a, a constant uh, um, activity to make sure that everybody feels safe and happy to come to work and and uh, be productive and and have you know have the the support that they need and be valued for uh, for what they offer uh, to the organization and to the clients. I think you gave us some really good nuggets there. I had to write them down <laughs> just now. Um, and so just to sort of summarize uh, um, the things you said, um, you really started with yourself and really having the confidence to know that this idea, this opportunity that you've identified, that you can do it. And sometimes the time isn't always right, but as you keep working on it, you sort of create that time and you create the environment for that opportunity to to thrive or that opportunity or idea evolves into something else where there is an actual need. So then with that, you're actually creating your own asset. And that's something you talked about. And depending on what field you're in, your assets, your people in marketing, right? You have incredible talent to keep Thinker going. Or when you were in the shipping industry, capital is the big thing that you need in order to obtain your asset. So really understanding where that value comes from through the assets that you have. And the last one here is honing your expertise. And I think that's really important because the more and more you sort of dive into what you're doing and learning, I think you get more excited about it. Because like for myself as a new entrepreneur, I used to say, I have no business in finance. And more and more, I find myself in personal finances. And it is even more exciting than the first day I even thought of some sort of concept or idea and really diving into what your industry is, what your expertise is, and knowing it inside out, but not forgetting the rest of it and and still being attached to it in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through partnerships like you've built um, and and people as well, too. And then finally, keeping all the noses in the right direction. Um, I love that. I love it a lot because I, I think as a leader, it's it's important to give people direction, but not necessarily, um, I'm looking for the right words here. You have to empower them. You have to empower them. Mm -hmm. That is the right word. And I think the word empowerment is thrown around a lot when it comes to people and talent. But how, how do you truly empower your employees to go in the same direction that you see the organization going, but still giving them enough, you know, loose rope or rein to to be creative within their own space. How do you do that? I think it starts with trust. You know, it really does. At the end of the day, you have to trust uh, the abilities of of your team members and and uh, and listen. You have to be able to listen. Um, and that's not always easy, you know. Particularly if you're, you know, at the head of the the the, the gang, um, uh, that you you need to have your listening ears on and uh, and be sensitive to what people tell you and what people want to tell you if you give them a chance to talk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think trust and and listening is uh, is important. Um, and from that, you will be able to determine if if they're capable and and uh, ready to, you know, to take on more responsibility, or if their their ideas are the ones that we should be following, and mm-hmm. and then do it. You know, just uh, I 
I, I'm I'm surrounded by really great people, and thank God because I don't know everything they know, uh, and I don't I don't want to know everything they know. I yeah. really don't. Um, I, I'm not a unicorn, and I'll never be. Mm-hmm. So I rely on good people uh, for the for the greater to be good, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, I surround myself. I welcome people that are way smarter than I am, um, because that makes us all better. And uh, um, I'm not afraid uh, at all uh, for people that, that know my business better than I do. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> Come on, yeah. That's that's real confidence there. That's real confidence to to you know have your people um, know your business better than you to some degree, and and help actually guide and direct it. And I think bringing that collaboration to your team is is so powerful. And I think that's why you know. Yes, people might want to leave and go to other organizations and do different things. And I love that you you don't feel any way about it. You say, go explore, you know, go do what you need to do because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you did what you needed to do that's too. It, yeah. So um, that's, that's really encouraging to hear that, you know, you're able to trust your people. Uh, you're able to give them that ability to bring their creativity and bring their voices to the table because that's important. An organization isn't just, or business isn't just, just your voice. It's, it's the sum of everyone's voice together. And and that's, I think that's a really incredible thing. And um, clearly you've been very successful in doing this. And I'm really happy that you're able to share your stories with us and share these really great nuggets because I'm hoping that this podcast is really going to be inspirational to um, young people in Hamilton and listening from anywhere, to be honest, to know that they can have the confidence within themselves to identify problems and take those problems, find solutions to them, and create businesses out of them. Follow your dreams. I mean, um, um, I come from a generation, I'm 62 now, so I come from the generation that you know, my father worked for one company, um, and and most you know people around me when I grew up, they they would work for a company for 30, 40 years and then retire. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the case. Um, so you know, uh, even if people weren't happy in their job, they would stick with it. Uh, now you have to have a certain determination to see it through. I, I agree, you can't be jumping all the time, but. Um, but, you know, do something that you really have passion for, that you really like to do. Um, and, uh, and then you're going to be good at it because you love to do it. And, and you know, that's, that to me is, is what I tell my kids, you know, um, do something you really like to do and because you're going to be good at it because you love doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that's the perfect way to sort of wrap this all <laughs> up is, you know, do, do what you love. Um, and I think that's a great message for anyone. And so, again, thank you so much, Elder. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm personally inspired by your story and all the things that you've done. Um, I know you might not think of yourself as an entrepreneur when you were within the corporations, but I definitely see you as that um, with creating new teams and being as, you know, entrepreneurial as you possibly could be within those spaces and you realize that wasn't for you and that's led you here today so you're following your dreams you're listening to your own words so um i will try to listen to those too and i hope everyone else listening is going to follow their dreams regardless of what that is whether that's being an entrepreneur or working for a company for Mm -hmm. 40 50 years because some people absolutely do love that and they do love their jobs and our job isn't to, you know, convince everyone to be entrepreneurs. Someone's got to work for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so let's follow our dreams, people. And um, thank you so much again, Alder. Thank you. Um, Thinker has been an incredible um, sponsor of this podcast. And we can't wait to continue working with you um, to take this podcast to new levels and, you know, get this booth all filled up. And we'll definitely cement our space here. 
because we still need to record. Um, but we'll we'll definitely keep that partnership awesome. in the future going forward. Well, it's our pleasure, and uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. This has been Appreciate incredible. It. Okay. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Thank you all for listening today. Give us a follow on social at, at Hamilton Hive to stay tuned and know what's coming next. And if you have entrepreneurs or projects in your mind and you want to know their stories, let us know so we can reach out and help tell those stories that you want to hear more of. Finally, we want to thank our team of volunteers that make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. They are putting in the time, they're putting in these hours, and they are not paid for it. So huge shout out to Cesar Sardena, Harsh Patel, James Clark, Khaled Imam, Patricia Ford, and Ratri Tun. Our volunteers are listed on our website at, at hamiltonhive.ca slash podcast and check them out. See you next time. Thank you.